Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. You are in the doctor's office, holding your five-month-old baby, listening to a small string of diagnoses that you have never heard of, but somehow relate to your daughter never walking or talking or having the fine motor skills for sign language. Would you break? I spoke with Natalie, a very lovely, strong, and inspiring mother who lived through this moment and willingly shares how she put the pieces back together. She not only tends to her own radical acceptance of life in the world of special needs, or as she called it, additional needs, I kind of like that one, but also helps other parents find acceptance and hope and self-care while on their journey. This interview is about her story and her daughter, Kiara. It is full of beautiful, graceful, poetic moments that really drew me in. She also talks about her Reignite program and the Miracle Project, which I mistakenly reference as the Miracle Mama Project a few times. You can find information about these programs, along with information about Natalie, her speaking engagements, her one-on-one coaching, and more at miraclemama.com.au. I definitely recommend checking out her site and getting to know this woman a bit. She's amazing. I also recommend following her on Instagram, if that's your kind of thing. She posts often, and you can see beautiful pictures of her and her daughters and their life. And that is at Natalie Roberts Matzeo. Natalie Roberts, M-A-Z-Z-E-O. And while you're there, you can follow this podcast, too, at Walking with Freya. Also, as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast rate and review, share with your friends and family, and if you would like to share your story, which we would absolutely love to hear, please email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy this really inspiring talk with the Miracle Mama. I did. Thanks for being here. I am here with Natalie roberts Matseo. Did I say that correctly? Spot on. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you did. Okay, good. So Natalie is a coach, a speaker, a writer, and an advocate in the world of parents with special needs children. She is the creator of the Reignite program and the Miracle Mama project, which we are going to talk about a little later. Um, but right now, I would love to, Natalie, um, hear your story. You have two daughters. You have Grace, who is eight, and Kiara, who is five. And yeah. Yeah. Um, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your story, um, specifically your daughter, Kiara? So, you know, the first diagnosis came at the 20-week ultrasound scan, actually. And 
it it was a club foot called Talipes and at that stage we were told, don't worry, it's just a treatable and common club foot, all will be okay. And then the months ticked on and we did all the relevant treatment for that once she was born. So I was prepared for that. And the birth itself was uneventful, nothing too serious until just up, up towards the end, uh, just just moving a little bit slowly. They said, how about, you know, I think we're going to have to do a emergency Caesar. We're not too sure. It was lots of arming and ahhing. And they prepared me for that and then... We gave one last push and out she came naturally. So um, at the time of her birth, there was, there was nothing to really worry about that we knew about other than the foot. That alone was quite a lot to deal with. Just, just see the foot, you know, they call it a deformity. So visually it looked different, but I kept saying, it's okay, this is, this is all good. And then, you know, we had a couple of doctors come in and, you know, a little bit of concerns a few extra tests were ordered but other than that they said look we're a little bit concerned that her head is small even though Grace's was also born small my older daughter so we didn't worry about about it that much they we did some routine follow-up tests at the hospital in the coming months and they all came back clear so I'm also in and out of hospital dealing with a club foot treatment at this stage it's just a treatment to help gently turn her foot back into the normal position that requires some plaster casts and some foot bracing but I kept telling myself Natalie it will be okay she will walk and as disruptive as it was for our family to head in and out of the hospital with a beautiful newborn to get plaster casts on and things like that I reassured myself that this is okay because at the hospital it's so confronting it's a lot of sick kids there and the months went by and I just knew something wasn't right. She wasn't breastfeeding and she was very, very unsettled. Everyone kept saying, Natalie, perhaps it's just the cast, um, the plastic cast. She's uncomfortable. Perhaps, you know, you guys are just a little bit tired. But it just wouldn't leave me that intuition that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I started to just see different odd movements from her. And, you know, I was lucky. I had a, I had experienced motherhood before so I had a you know I had a my elder daughter to compare her with and then I had a pediatrician who said okay Natalie oh you know I'm listening to you let's do some extra tests and straight we'll fast forward straight to the MRI and that it pretty much shocked all of us the doctors had discovered she had a really serious brain injury and they attributed it to a potential stroke that she had when I was pregnant so this mm. just came out of nowhere so we were not prepared at all she was diagnosed with what they call bilateral perisylvian polymicrogyria and also microcephaly and later on the diagnosis came that she would have quadriplegia cerebral palsy and you know like yeah it was big big that's you know, huge where do you go with that? It's huge. And to be honest, you know, when you're in the genetic doctor's office and I'm holding my five-month-old baby, these words, I don't understand them. I mean, they're foreign to me. I've never heard them in my life apart from the, the cerebral palsy. But the rest, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how severe it was. And so we, we kept going through the meeting and I could tell by the body language and I will, that, you know, this was really serious and they didn't hold back. And I'm really actually grateful that they were really 
blunt with the, the information. I wanted the hard, you know, I'd been really worried for quite some time and they were really clear in the fact that the area of her brain that was damaged is the area that controls motor function, speech, communication, things like that. So they said, Natalie, it's unlikely that she will ever be able to walk or talk. And, you know, they were peeling away all the layers of health for her and I was desperate for mm-hmm. a solution. And I kept just saying, well, that's okay. Like, well, she can't talk. We'll learn sign language. It's, you know, we'll do whatever it takes. My tears streaming down my face. And I said, well, no, unfortunately, Natalie, she's not going to have the fine motor skills to use her fingers. And I just felt like they were just taking every bit of possible potential for this beautiful, amazing little being. Mm. And, yeah, it rocked us. You know, everything broke. I broke. You know, I just, I lost my way. It's, it's who prepares you for that. And because she's a little, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, and when they're, when they're giving you, a diagnosis, especially such a long and involved diagnosis. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just so overwhelming. And, and you just, you're there with this little baby and they're just telling you what their future is going to be and who they're going to be. And you, and you, you've barely mm-hmm. gotten to meet this person yet. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's such a surreal experience. And I, I remember sort of like I was dropping in and out of consciousness, almost just, thinking I was looking out to the it was a really rainy day in Melbourne and I was like this is a bad dream this isn't happening Mm. and then you know we left the hospital I walked out I walked out the doors and I was holding her really tight and I was just you know you catapulted into a whole new system of more Mm. tests more doctors and more people but there's something really beautiful and quite profound happened in that day of diagnosis this beautiful rainbow shone coincidentally as I walked out of the out of the hospital and it was enough to make me pause even just for that millisecond to just sort of think okay look just something else bigger is is at play here just trust and it's almost like I made sacred contract with the universe I was like I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give up and then I went you know that was just a little sign to to keep going and and then the years after that were, were chaotic, mad, crazy. We, we didn't know. We weren't sleeping. We were in and out of hospitals and, you know, the strain on the marriage was, uh, you know, just I, I didn't think that we were going to pull through. It, you know, the grief comes at such different times for different people, the lack of sleep, the stress, the way that you're having to navigate life now and then integrate back into society and then have to explain these big medical terms to your mm. friends, your family. It's it's a lot to carry for these new parents that have never even expected or seen this coming. So it was a really complex time. And, you know, we had to try and keep it together for our eldest daughter. She was three when Kiara was born. So she was you know, sitting in waiting rooms often with us and watching her parents parents fall apart and come back together fall apart (laughs) but you know when you know the moment when things really changed for me was in a meeting a couple of months later perhaps even six months later the genetic doctor said Natalie you know 
because I was asking, you know, when will she walk? I just couldn't deal with the news and the information. I kept pressing them for answers. When will she talk? When will she walk? How long will she live? And they said, uh, Natalie, how about instead of asking those questions, when will she walk? When will she talk? You know, how long will she live? How about you ask what will make her reach her full potential? And, you know, I understood what she meant in that moment, even though I thought part of it was like, oh, no, you're asking me to lower my expectations. And, you know, I, I grappled with it for a while and then it really sunk in and I thought, wow, do, it, in, am I in my abled and healthy body living to my full potential? And, you know, the answer was no. I, I wasn't even close to living to my full potential. And it really, yeah, that moment was so pivotal for me and it made me look at Kiara differently and it made me think about potential in a different way and I, I dropped the big milestones I let it all go and we just put our heads down and we did a lot of therapy <laughs> a lot of therapy with her you know we we traveled um to the states a couple of times and you know we weren't about to give up and, and let you know this medical terminology decide her fate so we you know, we got a bit of that, you know, that spark back, that fight back after, you know, falling apart to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. And I think just the sheer determination of our children and what they have to go through makes you step up yourself. You think, well, <laughs> she was, if, I, if they're dealing with that, well, then I've really got to change something here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to change my perspective a little bit to, to meet the demands <laughs> and to show up in the same grit and resilience and wonderment that, 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 you know, these children do. It's, it's extraordinary, miraculous. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. That's a, I love the rainbow. It's such a powerful symbol and to see it when you saw it and to, for it to bring you that, that glimmer of hope. And, you know, I feel like I've had numerous times, um, numerous reminders throughout Freya's life of just, you know, having these high expectations and just like, oh, if I just keep pushing her here and pushing her there, then we'll, then we'll meet this milestone or that milestone. And I I can think of a few times uh, in my life where I've had with Freya that I've had this moment, this recognition of just like, oh, wait, you know what? No, (laughs) like she is who she is and she's doing her best and I'm here with her supporting her. And there's just this weight that is lifted off the shoulders when you just can accept. And you have, you have a quote on your website that I, I love. Um, if a miracle is a shift in perception, then becoming a miracle mama is the final stage of acceptance of diagnosis. It's when you vow that the life you're going to build is based on what is, not on what you wish it were. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. And yeah. That's that's it, and that's and that's exactly what you were describing with with your experience with Freya, and it's the way that I experience it with Kiara. There's a shift. There's something that happens along the road. You don't know when <laughs> or how, but you sort of live through it, and it expands your your life and the way that you see things. And it's it's really quite a, a transformative experience, and one that I never thought possible ever. I just didn't think that after a child diagnosis to that degree, you could really find happiness again. I, I had never known it to be possible until 
you know, you see it in action. So, yeah, there's lots of those little signs and, and reminders in amongst the, the challenges of it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you learn to, to let go of these big, huge milestones and, and exactly that, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, I have to really bring out, like the doctor said, how about let's just reach our full potential and let go of the life that we thought and the way it should have been and really own our reality. Like, this is my story. This is, you know, this is it and let's make it amazing. And that's not to say, and I never want to discourage or not, you know, dishonour the fact that it really is a huge job. It's, you know, I go to the hospital, we've been up to over 300 appointments. And so I see firsthand the, the challenge and the struggle. So it has to be, you know, honoured and that, that it really is a challenging circumstance at different times for many of us, whether it's mm-hmm. hospitals or operations and, you know, many mm-hmm. children depart the earth a lot earlier. And so it's a, it's a really, it's such a expansive journey, really, really different. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, and there's so many different processes that we go through and, I feel like for myself that I, uh, you know, it kind of comes in waves, like where it seems like everything's mellow and it's just like, okay, yeah, we're doing this. We got this, you know, (laughs) and then something else will come up or, you know, uh, something will change or, um, you know, having started this podcast and telling my story kind of in this, in this broader arena. um, Mm -hmm. It's, I have gone back to certain times that I, that I'm still carrying this grief about and I didn't realize that I was and so it's been interesting going back and revisiting these experiences and then it's giving me new insight you know going back and it's just it's and it's just I think it's just never ending for the rest of our lives now you know it's just always going to be this you know where are we at now in this part of it you know because we do have those days we're like oh yeah we got this this is a piece (laughs) of cake and then those other days where it's just like ah the rest of our lives okay (laughs) I know I hear you it's like radical acceptance right it's massive and and it is it's that peak and trough absolutely and you know I I'm a huge advocate for trying to bring out the peace purpose and that that fun and flow and to really really radically accept and I think to myself well in order for me to do that I need to really focus on where we are at as a family now. And it's so, it's so easy to get pulled back into the, the story, you know, the, the story of the loss and limitations, the longing for milestones, you know, feeling very like a victim to our circumstances. And I know for me that it's, yeah, it's, it's just under the surface sometimes. You know, you have a rough night, you have, you've hardly slept or you've had a rough hospital appointment or something that something has gone wrong. It's, it's, it's easy to feel like you're going backwards and to feel like how on earth can I do this for the rest of my life, my parenting life? Mm-hmm. And, and that resilience, though, is bubbling away underneath it and you don't realise just how powerful that foundation is through the just the mere experience of raising a child with additional needs it's it's it by default that beautiful balance that comes with with the challenge of it all and you know it, it is not 
easy by any means and I just think it calls us to to evolve and expand beyond our personal limitations as mm-hmm. parents and as people kind of calls us to humanity and it 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 really yeah requires us to step out the box a little bit you know think think a bit laterally think a bit differently because our life is not linear my my daughter Kiara won't go to school and then perhaps go to college and then get a job and then get married and you know have kids it's her path is different it's not linear it's zigzag and crazy yeah (laughs) it's not gonna be formulaic no and 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 it's that's the thing and that's the hard thing to let go of and people say to me Natalie well no one knows what's going to happen I'm like I know but you birthed your into the world with a vision of health and a trajectory of of something that's not going to be like the opposite way around which is like sometimes feels like a nursing home with all the equipment and the and she's living life backwards in a in a bizarre kind of way mm. and you know I I will get challenged by by those reframes sometimes but I take them on and I think about them but it's yeah it's a very different journey and I think one that binds us all no matter what religion background race color because we all want to birth our children into the world healthy and and when that health is taken away all of us collectively experience such similar uh, feelings and emotions so it's really I think a collective community that and a collective journey that we all go on as parents when we find ourselves in this position so it's mm-hmm. big work, you know, big work, I feel, really. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I find that when I'm at potlucks and barbecues and events, I, I feel pulled towards parents that are in similar situations because it's just so easy to, it's so much easier to, to talk about these things sometimes. It? It's kind of a relief to not have to feel you know, those comments of like, oh, but it's okay. Or, you know, just, you know, just to have that (laughs) collective, like, oh yeah, we're doing this. (laughs) So do you, are there families around you that have children with similar challenges? Are you, um, well, you know, not in our direct, in, in Marlo's and I's friendship circle, there's none. It's sort of just us, but however, I've since met through the community and through advocating and through blogging uh, a lot of other families with special needs children and and it is like you said before there's that connection that's that sense of ease you understand one another you connect to the heart straight away mm-hmm. and whereas with our, our normal friendship groups yeah you have to field a lot of those you know, and then, you know, there's awkward moments, uh, you know, a, a new friend may become pregnant and they'll say, well, I don't mind as long as they're born healthy. I don't mind if I have a boy or a girl. And then there's that kind of cringe and then quiet and I have to act like I'm totally cool with it. And, and cause I want, I, you know, I, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to make this a big deal and, you know, but I want people to feel relaxed because I remember that I too was a parent without a especially his child. So I know how it is. You, you don't, you can't understand. You can't have that sense of awareness of just how impactful it is for the parents. So yeah, there is something very comforting and we're very drawn to people uh, in our similar situations because 
I don't know, it's so, it just really is comforting. It's that, that sense that you're not feeling isolated and you can pretty much just say anything because you all understand one another. It's really, really great. Mm-hmm. Really great. Yeah. You know? And I found that I feel a little more protective of them and their kids. Like even if I've mm-hmm. just met them, like I'm, I tend to be more aware of where their kids are and what they're doing and just more aware of what's happening. It just does feel like you're kind of in this instant family that, you know, even if you yes. have never met, but um, so what have, what have been some of the more challenging parts of this? I think the, the, the main ones for me personally, are, you know, when she, she has had some operations, you know, just having to hand her over and knowing that she's going to be returned to me in a lot of pain and she mm. won't have a voice to tell me, mum, I, I, this is hurting. And she will look to me with these eyes that she does, like, how, uh, why are you letting them do this to me? And I, I worry, I, I think, oh, no, how can I explain to her that, you know, often I'm having to hold, I used to have to hold her down because of her tone was so strong while they would cast her leg and she'd just be looking at me so confused and distressed and that would really get to me. I'd be bullied. Oh, I bet. So, <laughs> so tired. And, and then, you know, it's tough because it's like, a, it, and I didn't know what level of understanding she had. Like cognitively, does she understand what I'm telling her? Does she, I mean, I knew, you know, that there's on a soul level that she is completely present and understanding but does she understand all the complexities of why she's having to have such serious operations and mm-hmm. that to me has been the big one that she had a you know hip operation where she was in this plaster cast from her legs down and it was for six weeks and it was just horrendous just watching her suffer that's probably been the, the toughest part just you know, I'm like, well, you know, where's, you question your faith, you question everything when you watch your child suffer and there's nothing you can do about it. You've tried the pain medication and that's a really hard space to be in. And I just, just at the end of the day, I have nothing else to give her that other than my love. I can't give her the medications that have already been provided for her. I can't fix her, uh, in terms of the operations and things, I can just give her my love and my comfort. And so they, that has been a very challenging time. The lack of sleep really pushed me to beyond, you know, pushed me to my edges because mm. it's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal to have a couple of hours and attend to someone to that, to that degree. And then on top of that, the marriage was very strained. We were under enormous pressure, you know, on every facet for of our life. You know, from we no longer could maintain our jobs. We couldn't maintain uh, the amount of work that we could commit to because we were in and out of hospital and desperate to, ch- to change her fate. But yeah, the yeah, the biggest challenges have always been surrounding, you know, first and foremost, watching her struggle and feeling powerless just having to feel powerless. It's like, wow, this is a crazy situation to be in. Right. And, and then um, not feeling rested in myself, not, not feeling that I could just have a good night's sleep so then I could meet her needs, meet my own needs and show up in a lot more stronger and grounded way uh, because it was, it's a 
whirlwind. It's it's a busy life and you've got to be really organised and, and on top of your game, if you like. Yeah, I think that that was a really big challenge because, you know, I guess typical kids that are growing that you could have that opportunity where they could perhaps just watch some telly or you pass them a banana and they could feed themselves or drink out of a cup themselves. And and so that that added to the, the layers. And, and I was just going to add before, just an offshoot to the challenges was integrating back into society and who am I now? I was a mother and I was a yoga teacher and now I'm this special needs mother and it's a little bit of an unsettling time. How do you talk about it? How do you, people ask you, what do you say? And, and so that was, that felt very challenging as well to, to identify with this new world that I did not see coming in any shape or form <laughs> at all. Did you find that it kept you home at times? That, that yes, yeah, it was, to, and and you know, even it's interesting. You know, five years on, you know, it it does still keep us at home. Like the easier card is to stay home. You know, just to we've got our routine. Just as soon as we leave that front door, it's a, a lot of hard work, extra work, and so I've learned to say no a lot more because I know the impact when I do say yes, the impact and the overflow that will happen at the other end with the family, it's not as easy and we have to just minimise our bandwidth, if you like. We have to just, that's just our reality. If we say yes and we're going to venture off here and there and everywhere, uh, it can come at a cost. So we keep a really strong boundary on our, our time and what we do with it. And in saying that, we love to get out of the house. We're very adventurous and, and social but not like it used to be, just with grace. We would be like, oh, yeah, we'll come to the barbecue. See, yeah, see then. Oh, yeah, you know, it, we don't have that ease of flexibility anymore. No way. Uh-huh. <laughs> from it. Do you have somebody that can watch Kiara so you and your yeah. husband can go out? Yeah, so we're really lucky. We have, uh, my parents have both retired, so they are, and they live, we move closer to them, and so they're available. They're really hands-on. And Marla's parents are also incredible. So they both look after the kids and they understand Kiara and her needs. So we're really lucky. We do get time together and that's been amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crucial and amazing. Yes. Yeah. Crucial, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you get time with Grace? Do you get some one-on-one time or it's must yeah I do but we've got to really get creative about it we she's a really strong advocate for her sister she was she always wants her to be around but you know we with with Kiara starting school this year she gets picked up by a bus and so there's you know I have the opportunity to walk Grace to school every day and Great, Kiara's already looked after. She's got the carer with her on the bus, and then I'm just 100% focused with Grace. And I savor those moments. We we walk together to school, and she'll chat to me about this or that. And I'm stress free. I'm not having to push a wheelchair, or you know, always have my eyes on Kiara. So, you know, we just incorporate it. We are aware of it. We are aware that the impact on her has been really huge. So, yeah, we take those moments when we can to just be with her and see where she's at and 
it's uh, it's good for her for sure. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah, that's where I'm just kind of coming into this space of realizing, uh, which I've talked about on the podcast. I won't go into it too much, but just the sibling thing yes. is is kind of what I'm where my head is going now. And just you know, for so long, I was like, oh, you know my two other uh, my two other daughters are going to be so good for Freya and they're going to be, you know, they can help her with this and that. And then just, I'm kind of coming out of this, of that thinking. And now just like, well, what about them? You know, what is this, how is this affecting them? And my oldest daughter, she was an only child for seven years. And then all of a sudden I had this baby and she was cesarean and she had so many, so many issues and so many needs. And, um, you know, I just wonder, oh, I don't even know what kind of a mom I was during that time. You know, mm. that that makes me sad, but I know he We still have a good relationship, so I, hope, I think I was all right. But but I am <laughs> definitely I'm a lot more aware of it now and like realizing that everybody's gotta have their time and they gotta have their time where it's not uh, you know where yeah, you like you said, you can be stress free. You're not you don't have your eyes on your other child and so I'm I'm glad that you get that time. Exactly. And they deserve it. And I love and I just love what you said then about the fact that, you know, initially it's like, oh yes, they'll be able to help and, and but then that no, hang on, and what about them? What about their needs? I love that. It's important to think and remind ourselves because I'm a bit like that with Grace. You know, she's a my right hand man, she's my wing woman. She'll get the nappies <laughs> and she'll get this, but yeah, it's nice to put the focus back on them, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. So I would love to talk about this work that you're doing, um, the Re- reignite program and the Miracle Mama project. Would you yeah, yeah. like to to talk about one of those first? Do you have one that um you like to start with? Or? Yeah. Oh well, you know what? My passion project, which I just love, is the Miracle Project because it allows me to interview mums, very similar to what you're doing, but just in a in a blog format. And that all started because I was I created a blog called Kiara's Journey way back when, and then mums would reach out to me and ask me about you know this or that. I'd stay up after midnight and I'd respond and I'd listen to their stories or hear their stories. And I thought, wow, they have to be shared and seen and heard. And I have to create an online platform that's available 24-7 because I can't sustain this. I can't keep staying up at night. And But I really wanted to help. So that's why I created Miracle Mama website to begin with. I just wanted to create an online platform that special needs mums could go to at any time and get some sort of inspiration, whether that was reading someone else's story Story, not feeling so isolated where that was reading one of my blogs what have you and yeah I, I feel very humbled to share these stories uh, they're remarkable like I, I I can connect with them from the diagnosis all the way through and I always learn something new like I, I love it and it's a very yeah it's a very sacred part of, of the work that I do just to share and listen to their stories yeah. you know some of them have lost their children some of them it's just such a varied um situation and and then yeah the reignite program equally just as amazing because it, it gives me an opportunity to help 
through my coaching, I decided to do a coaching course because I wanted to help mums more. I knew my words were helping them. I knew my blog, my writing, but I wanted that professional qualification to offer something more. So I did my coaching and I created the Reignite program because that's exactly what we need to do as women. I think we need to reignite our lives. We need to reconnect with who we were before we were that special needs mum and all the roles that that piles onto us. Mm. And I love it. It's transformative. I, I worked with a coach and that's the whole reason why I became a coach myself because I had such long sustaining change, positive change, and it, and it brought about a, a great deal of uh, positive impact for the family as well. And they're like, wow, mum's different. And I had a new vigour for, for my own life because I was meeting my own needs. And so I created this program just based on a couple of the coaching clients that I already had. This is a theme that goes through. So it's, it's yeah, it's a really exciting thing to offer because it focuses on the mum mm-hmm. and, and it, I think, yeah, so much of your own needs don't get met because of the nature of the situation. And so we focus on a couple of core topics and it goes for three months and we journey one-on-one through coaching. It's it's really interesting and um, something that mums can take on and, you know, create their own life within their own special needs world. It's exciting. Yeah, I think it's great to remind us that we have to take care of ourselves too, because, you know, we get so caught up in taking care of our children and what, what it is that they need. And, and, you know, it's like you deal with one thing and then something else is coming at you and you you don't, it's hard to uh, find that space. So I think it's, I think it's great that you have created this and there's, there's meditations. And then the, like you said, the, well, the six focuses, I, I was really getting into it the other night, checking it out. And because yes. I was kind of in the space of just feeling like, oh, my God, I'm so, I don't have anything to give right now. You know, every mm-hmm. time one of my yes. kids said, hey, mama, it was just like a finger just poking into a sore. <laughs> oh, like, oh, no, God, it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, so then, you know, looking at this program and, and what you offer, I was like, oh, God, what, how amazing. So, <laughs> and exactly because they are like there's core components, uh, you know, the clarity. It's like what you forget is everything so fuzzy. So I was boom. We start off with getting clear of of what we need and compassion because often we're reacting in ways we don't want to because mm-hmm. we often the way I react or respond is has more to do with how I feel than what's going on with Kiara's or all graces. Uh, reaction so it's it's it just reminds me that I really have to just get my my emotions right and the trust we go through trust and then sanctuary building sanctuaries and, and building that ritual into our daily routine and then structure that's a big part of it because organization is key <laughs> for this and then celebrating that's the last part of the the program because you know we life is so fleeting and and, and it's like where's that joy again and and sometimes it feels like you can never get there like how can I find fun in this serious situation and it's it's different for all mums and and it's different I offer the coaching in that format or also completely if they want to 
not partake in that program, but just work on a, a goal of their own that we go through that as well. But it's just that time that it's just a hundred percent on the mum. And so often the mums want to go and they want to talk about the children and we're like, Nope, let's come back. <laughs> and eventually, cause it's, it's hardwired. You feel guilty to, to indulge in your own space and time because society has told you you are a mother and this is what you must do so it's very liberating and I know this to be true because I've done it myself and I think well if I can change from overwhelmed stressed out on the edge and you know really depressed mum to feeling very healthy and content in myself and then helping my family I think well it's possible for all of us and yeah <sighs> Yeah, well, like like what we say around around our house, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. We hold this, this the energy. And, and right, but it, rightfully so because of the, the, it's so much that we, we give and, and hold space for. You know, I think it makes sense. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah mum's energy. It's, it's interesting. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was just off. I was just off and not, and not making right food choices and and my thought process was so negative and Kiara was so unsettled and I was trying to put her to sleep one night and I said Kiara what is wrong you're so and as I was saying it I was like no Natalie she's not unsettled you are like she was just a mirror for me and she looked at me as if to say hey mama (laughs) don't look at me like come on and and it was literally as I said it I just almost felt like Oh, I put my hands over my eyes. I'm like, oh gosh, here and just those little wake up calls because we're not we're not here to be saintly and perfect. And but it reminded me that we're very intertwined. Our energy affects them and is reflected back to us often. And that's how it is with Kiara when she's very unsettled outside mm-hmm. of her pain regime. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it mum is overwhelmed and and so it was an interesting little insight but I literally ate my words <laughs> as I said them I was like oh it's not her totally not her it's me so yeah <laughs> oh yeah I don't know I was just thinking today Freya was in her room and she had she had taken a nap and she had wet the bed when she took a nap, which she doesn't usually do, mm-hmm. but like her little sister had done that just last night. And then, and it was just like all of this, I was just in this pile of bedding coming from all directions. And, uh, and I just made some comment about it. Just like, Oh, so frustrated. And Freya said, mama, why are you being mean? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm not <gasps> trying to be mean. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's okay. Like, you know, it was like, it was just a comment that I was just making to the ethers of my frustration of all the bedwetting in the house. <laughs> but, you know, then to hear that and I thought, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm being mean to her. Like, that's not at all my intention. <laughs> so, oh yeah. They just, exactly. They're pretty to attention, don't they? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh. So has there been... I that name, by the way. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, she, the Viking goddess. She didn't yeah, have absolutely. she didn't have a name for uh, I don't know a week or two, and then it was Dia de los Muertos, and I, you know yes. the the first few weeks of her life were just we did I mean we didn't get her 
Oh, that was actually something I wanted to bring up that you talk about the segmenting the time with Kiara, the before diagnosis, after diagnosis and acceptance mm-hmm. of diagnosis. And I had kind of done that in the beginning when I was telling my story of Freya and it was uh, like, you know, her birth and then the time between the birth and the diagnosis like that. I kind of describe those three and a half months as the time between because it was so terrifying really, because we didn't have a diagnosis. We knew something was, was going on, but we didn't have a diagnosis. But especially those first few weeks, I thought I thought she was dying. And it was more of that intuitive, you know, I'd be holding her and she'd be really quiet and just, and then just all of a sudden she would get really still. Like even though she hadn't been moving anyway, but oh, something would get really still yeah. and really quiet. And, you know, I described it as like her spirit was just kind of backing out of the room you know, and then I would have to try and bring her back. And so in my postpartum, stressed out, freaked out, what's going on mind when we hit Dia de los Muertos and she didn't have a name, I was like, oh, she needs a name so we can call her back. You know, this is the day that the the veil between the worlds is the thinnest and she needs a name. And so it was such a huge thing for me. And it was how I processed it. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening like, what is she talking about? (laughs) But, you know, I think sometimes when you don't have answers, you just can really go, you go there, you come up with your own answers, you come up with your own way of dealing with it and... So that was a really long story about her name. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. And, and I think to add to that, when you come up with your answers, it's so healing in the process. It's beautiful. And oh, I had full goosebumps when you tell me that story. And I love the goddess Freya. I love what she stands for. So, and just learning that, that listening to that, the stillness of, and feeling that stillness of, and the fact that, you know, feeling that her spirit was leaving. Oh gosh, I can imagine it would be so terrifying. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, and kind of like your rainbow, um, when she, mm-hmm. the next morning after Dia de los Muertos, uh, we had given her the middle name. She didn't get Freya until the next day, but when I woke mm-hmm. up the next morning, her belly button had finally fallen off her umbilical cord, not her belly button, but her umbilical cord yeah. had finally fallen off. So I was like, oh, that's, it. she's okay. She's here. Like she's finally she's landed. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. It's no, yeah, it, and this is it. You find the re- the meaning, you know, so much meaning in these otherwise normal situations that you would have overlooked and, and they bring so much depth. Like that's, that's definitely, Definitely symbology to me. I read that as definitely like I'm here. I'm here now. Yeah, <laughs> you know for sure. Yeah. Has there any been anybody in your life in this part of the journey that's just really inspired you in the work that you're doing and helping you other know, moms? Just it would have to be just there's these two moms that really took me under their wing. They don't do social media. They don't have blogs. But their children are about 13, probably 13, one's 15 and, oh no, sorry, one's 18. So they're just so far along the journey and they have this beautiful humour and I just really admire them for their, their grit and their determination because, you know, I'm five years into this and I, I think, wow, what would it be? when or if Kiara makes it to 18, how will I be then? What sort of person will I be? Will I still be this, you know, wild advocate and and feeling um, like there's so much exciting potential for Kiara and us all? 
but they're just these they're, they're both very grounding for me and I just I just love them for their their realness you know they're they're not having to do anything they're just this how their life is and they're very inspiring for me I really really yeah, like they're all, their children are both diagnosed with um, polymicrogyria, so there's a similarity and a connectedness in in our child's diagnosis as well. Okay. But yeah, they they stand out for me. You know, they really do. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to have a community. I realize I've you know some of the moms that I've interviewed so far have child their children's diagnosis is. I mean, the last mom I talked to was one in three hundred fifty thousand, and another mom. Um, you know, she's never heard of, they've never heard of anybody else with her daughter's diagnosis. And so talking to them, I realized how lucky I am that actually, I mean, when I first learned about um, my daughter's diagnosis, I had never heard Mm. of it and nobody Mm. I knew had ever heard of it. And still to this day, when I tell people about it, unless they're in the medical world, they've never heard about it, but it's, there's a huge community, um, you know, an online community and, uh, an organization, and I realized actually how blessed we are to have that. I mean, once we got the diagnosis, they set us up with the the national organization, and they sent us all this information. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it was I, I felt very. I realized how blessed we were to, you know, kind of have this this di- You know, we got an easy diagnosis in that way. I guess <laughs> that there's already a community built in. Yeah, I'm the same. I feel the same, and it's good to acknowledge that because I think you know, I think about the parents that were here before the internet and the isolation mm. that they must have felt. Wow. So it's that instant. I like that instant family and that instant education that you can get. So that's the blessing. I was right. trying to remind myself of that because we were very lucky. We got Kiara's diagnosis, you know, mm-hmm. then and there. There was no one dream was yeah, that was it, and. I know, I know how hard that space must be when you don't have the answers and, and yet your child is going through all these issues. So, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other side, though, is that you hear about all of these, you know, you can kind of see the potential for as they get older. And with my daughter's diagnosis, it tends to get harder and more difficult as they get older. Yes. Not, I yeah. shouldn't say tends to, like that's what it does. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Pretty much every scenario. <laughs> and it's hard because you see the flash point and it's you have this well-meaning mum saying, Oh, don't worry, look at my child, and then you'll be looking at them and they're like in a wheelchair, and you're like, Oh, and you're so new. And I remember all these mums feeling and it's I'm one of them now, it's hilarious. But it's it's interesting, yeah, because you get to see that flash forward and it's it's scary and it is terrifying because you you in in some cases get to see what may you know what will happen and yeah it can be confronting yeah sure. i mean it's good to know like it, you know it's good to be prepared but also you know it can kind of cloud your your thinking at times you sure. know and you're so if you could go back to that beginning time when you were just getting the diagnosis mm-hmm. and how how would you comfort yourself? Is there anything that you could say to yourself back then to ease that pain or was it just a, an essential part of the process to get you where you are now? You know, I've thought about this question a lot because it's one that comes up um, many times and I, I think what would I need? What could I tell myself? And 
to be, I always come back to this, to be honest, at that time of diagnosis, there is nothing that could have helped me in that moment because all I wanted, that mind, that Natalie mind then wanted was a cure. I didn't understand that, mm-hmm. that the world could stretch and expand. So I think part of it had to be that I had to go through this. I had to really go through the darker parts to fully be where I am now and I'm I feel very blessed and and it, you know I feel very happy in myself and our life situation but I think yeah, what else could it would just probably also be just trust and let go like just don't carry it all I think I just took every morsel of information and thought I had to read every single thing online and it was all came down to me whether my child would live or not I was just carrying that Mm. burden of it's all on me and nothing so I I would go back to that Natalie five years ago and and just have a little bit of trust and surrender the rest like that rainbow like put more energy into those little moments because that's what you develop I guess so Mm. Yeah, it's a good question and I'm still working on it. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Maybe I'm still unpacking it. Maybe the grief is still, yeah, it's a lot to, uh, you know. I, I love what you said about the world stretching and expanding. Yeah. You know, instead of it just being this, okay, now let's find this cure. Let's, you know, but you have to just really, because it is, you got to stretch and it's a painful stretch. Yeah, so much like, like childbirth. And it is that. And then I I get I hold back on saying to the newly diagnosed mums these kind of things because it feels cliche and it feels corny and silly and like how how am I gonna tell her and express to her how miraculous this is when she's just receiving such huge news? Like I, I it's so it's so it's such an opposite feeling and emotion to what I had and I can't even expect her to hear it or feel it but mm-hmm. just to plant that seed like do what you have to do grieve and go out and do whatever you need to do to, to release that and heal that but just keep a little seed of hope that life can be phenomenal this trust that, that they that is an option you just never know it's it, yeah it's powerful one <laughs> not yeah. easy yeah that was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Well, I really appreciate the work that you're doing with all of this, and and I'm sure that you have helped so many, so many parents. What, well, like I said in the email, I wanted to ask what you would say to a, a newly diagnosed parent, but I feel like we kind of went just went through that. But I don't know if there's anything different that you would say. Like, is there? I think the best advice and advice that I didn't take on would be to really honour the importance of just coming back home to who you are as a woman first and foremost and really finding that place within, you know, that goddess part, that strength part, that warrior part and really go there first, like come back home to who you are before mother before wife before partner because I feel that that's where all the transformation is and I didn't get there till years later because I was just so busy thinking outside of myself thinking that I had to always look externally for solutions I had to see I I didn't trust that I had what it took to live 
a really content life, even as challenging as it would be. And I think a lot of mums or women miss that. They miss the fact that it's within, it's within all that beautiful healing and uh, way of living. So I, I didn't do that myself. I didn't do my self-care. I just was external with everything. And so I wish that I'd done that a bit earlier and I took time for me. It's easy to say, easier said than done, but to really just honour that part and nourish that part that was just hurting and, and would continually feel unmet and, you know, you've got to nurture the mother within. <laughs> you, you nurture your child and you just really have to nurture you. That's that's probably a big missing link in my personal situation I did I gave that away I didn't I didn't think that I deserved it I thought wow my child's very very unwell I doesn't matter about me I need to really show up for them but it turns out it does matter hugely so just that so they are that self-care on all levels yeah yeah uh, yeah so it. true so true and one of the hardest things to accomplish it really is. <laughs> it so is. It really, really is. But once, you know, I have a very, very strong boundary on that now and it's just that nurturing space and whatever it is, it doesn't have to be your whimsical and yoga and meditation and, and science. It can just be that, that going out to the movies or that space for yourself or writing or, you know, having uh-huh. a drink with friends, whatever you decide, but it's whatever lights you up and, um, yeah, yeah yeah kind of recharge well or reignite you like the exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> spot on spot on but anything's possible and I think all of us like all of us mums that uh, are in this together we all show each other what's possible we reflect back to each other that this really is a, a, a beautiful life that it's humbling and, and we all doing our bit for humanity so it's a good thing 